I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. everyone welcome to the ofd podcast i am your host joshua voles site manager emperor supreme warlord and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on the sp nation network and hey we got a special request uh from one of our listeners for for more hoops talk so i am uh i am alone brendan and uh jude are on the sidelines but i am bringing in the most esteemed uh editor over here at one foot down pat sullivan pat rick alter ego buddy how you doing tonight what's up i'm doing great you know just hanging out inside per usual now are you working from home or are you uh just you you kind of you live in the quarantine life are you back at work how, how's things going for you yeah and i've been i've been working from home doing that whole thing uh so i have been in chicago for the past couple months but i had a buddy heading down to Indianapolis to quarantine with his parents for a couple of weeks. And I hadn't seen my family since Christmas. So I hitched a ride. And so I'm actually in Indianapolis right now, suburban Indianapolis. Aha. Well, welcome back to the Hoosier state. <laughs> <laughs> happy to be here. Really happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, for, for a lot of you guys, you uh, single early 20 guys, I've noticed, I noticed during the quarantine, a lot of them, uh, you know, went back home. So they weren't just like hanging out in their apartments, uh, you know, all by themselves. Uh, so they went back home to their parents. I think that's, that's probably pretty cool. I, I don't know how, how's your parents feel about that? Were they happy or are they, are they ready to get <laughs> the hell out of there? <laughs> no, they, they were, they were excited. I was coming, uh, just because I was not one of the ones to immediately come home. And so I think <laughs> after having not seen me for, you know, five months and me very being very clear that it was only for a week or two. I think they're, they're pretty happy. I'm here. Cause there's, a, there's an end date to me being here. I got some big boxes. I'm looking to ship out my kids, uh, just, just for a couple <laughs> days. I'll, I'll send return postage. Uh, <laughs> but man, it's been, it's been a long time. So, so tonight we're, uh, we're, we're going to cut loose from our, our, our shackles to, to what's going on in the world and uh, talk about something that, uh, was giving us fits before all this, and that's Notre Dame basketball. Uh, Pat, we were we just uh, you know it was a, it was a strange year this last season because it, you know there wasn't an end of the season, um, but uh, it was pretty evident if Notre Dame didn't win the the ACC tournament, they were going to miss the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row, 
just kind of, let's just kind of go over what the hell happened. I mean, what the fuck went down where they were, this was a pretty good basketball team and the teams they played, you know, the good teams they played, they really played them well. It just, uh, just didn't quite get there. How were they in such dire straits headed into the ACC tournament? It, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, when you compare it to last year with all these guys as freshmen and, you know, they were struggling to get used to the college game and they were getting blown out by the best teams in the ACC. Like that at least made sense. It's like, okay, it's mostly freshmen. We, we have these growing pains. Last year was frustrating because most of the guys really did take a step forward. Like you said, like they were playing pretty good basketball and they were able to go toe to toe. I mean, the two Florida state games were just horrifying in terms of how, how close they came and how they should have won both, but just couldn't quite get over the hump. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to chalk it up to, to this, this just being young guys that haven't quite learned how to win in big games yet. Um, but I mean, you got to start that at some point. So I'm hoping they, they figure out how to do that early in this coming season because they're about to be upperclassmen that that 2018 class. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really know how to explain it besides um, young guys that just haven't learned how to finish yet. I mean, it, it was a you know it was a strange start to the year, right? Having North Carolina as your first game, uh, you know, conference game, uh, and you know. I have very strong opinions about about programs with one and done kind of kind of get kids. It's just it's shitty, you know. If you take you take uh, you take Anthony off of North Carolina, Notre Dame wins on the road. Uh, you know, North Carolina, I think pretty easily. Uh, so you know, it's just it's just a shitty thing. No, that guy ain't gonna be there next year. Uh, oh, but oh. Uh, but anyways, but they but there was other. I mean, it's like losing to Boston College at home. Uh, you know, was it? It, it, it reminded me a lot, I, I guess, early in this in the season. It reminded me of that season prior, where, and I guess other seasons as well, where you just had these stupid losses, you know, early in the season. You know, so, some dumb out of conference. You know, like losing losing Indiana this last year, same as losing Indiana uh, before. You know, what I mean, where you should have beat the should have beat them. Um, it, just kind of little things. It's kind of funny how bad the. Pac-12 was, you know, where you beat UCLA. UCLA was, uh, when they finished second in the in the Pac-12 last year, uh, I think they had they had a rough they had a rough year, but and in conference wise, I think they they had a pretty decent squad. Uh, but it just it just seems like it's it, it has been the same type of of results uh, these last couple of years, whether they were better or not. You know what I mean? Like uh, j- just some of these games that they're dropping. And because of that, you know, a lot of people had, you know, they got Bray in a hot seat, which I just, it's just so hard to imagine Mike Bray being on a hot seat uh, because of all that he's accomplished. And you just think about, you know, those great runs we, that we just had, you know, with Conan mm-hmm. and Gray, those guys. Were you getting the feel that this was starting to look like Bray's last year? Because there was a lot of speculation out there that that's exactly what was going down. Yeah, I mean, I think it started to look like that, but I think it was less about hot seat in that I don't think they were going to fire Mike Bray. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess I meant hot seat more like Mike Bray was feeling hot. I, oh, I, I wouldn't think Swarbrook was going to pull the trigger. Yeah, I think I think more so than anything. And you can kind of if you go back and look at his press conferences the last couple of years, I think he's just been drained like that's a guy who's always full of energy, always optimistic and a really fun, you know, press conference guy. And the last couple of years, he just looks really tired. He looks really frustrated. You know, he had the, the blow up after the first Florida state game where he, uh, which was amazing. Yeah. Oh, that was, I love him for it. I, and <laughs> I mean, honestly, if Mike Bray, if you don't love Mike Bray for, for all that he's done for Notre Dame, this time there, just go back and look at that press conference. Cause he said, every single fucking thing that we all are screaming at mm-hmm. and that you just wouldn't think that it would come out of his mouth. And there it was just like, we're getting fucking hosed. You're holding the football programs independence <laughs> over our head. You know, it's just, I mean, he just laid it all out there. I was like, you know, where, where do I, where do I send my check to chip in? You know, I, I want to help pay that. 
<laughs> no, yeah, I, I I loved him for that, and I, he was showing some fire this past year, which was fun. I think there were a couple games where he got a technical too, where I was like, all right, I like this. Like, yeah, we're getting treated poorly by the refs per usual. Let's actually yell about it because Mike Braid, being the loosest coach in America, you know, usually is just pretty upbeat. Doesn't usually yell that much. So I I liked seeing that. Um, but yeah, I think he was just getting worn down overall, and so it was really interesting once like everything with COVID happened and the season got canceled and uh, they did a, like a media press conference or Q and a with, with Mike over zoom. Like this is probably a month and a half ago or so. And you could just, you could see him and he just looked like he was in better shape. He was well rested. He was happy and smiling. And like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he just needed a little break and like to get away from this, the season and the, the last couple of seasons and what's been happening, but he looks a little recharged. So I'm interested to see next year how he looks as the season progresses. And I guess a lot of it might depend on if this team actually takes a leap forward, but I, I would have guessed probably mid last year that Bray was seriously considering retirement. And I think he was based on what, what I've heard, but um, you know, he's still coming back. I, th- I think he at least wants to see it through with this recruiting class that are going to be juniors next year. I, I think he wants to at least see them through their, their four years at Notre Dame and try to reap the benefits of their talent and uh, finish on a much higher note than what he's been doing recently. I mean, could you have imagined a 2020, 2021 season without Mike Bray or Muffet McGraw I mean, at Notre oh, Dame? I mean, how, how insane does that sound? That's, that that's insane. And it's just so depressing. I mean, just thinking about the women's team without Muffet is sad. I mean, um, you know, Ivy, I think she's going to be great, but yeah, if we were to lose both of them in one off season, I don't know how I'd recover from that. That's horrible. I, don't, I hate that thought. Well, and that, for me, that's a huge thing because I guess one of the things I really like about Brian, about having Brian Kelly as, a, as Notre Dame's football coach is that I guess pre Brian Kelly, I was very jealous of other programs out there with coaches who had been there longer than three or five years. Mm-hmm. It just kind of like, you know, that's the coach, that's the guy, that's the leader, you know, and like, I, I don't want to use the word icon. Uh, if I do, it's very loosely uh, still right now with Brian Kelly, but you're kind of like your iconic coach. You're, you know, that's the coach. Yeah. And at least with, you know, with basketball, women's and men's that was set in stone. I mean, that was, if you, if you were just a random fan and you, you knew who their coaches were, you knew what, uh, you know, kind of what they were about. And so, you know, the, yeah, it just, it was one of the first things I thought about when, when I first heard Muffet, uh, retired was, Oh my God, we could have lost them both. Uh, like, yeah. like, Oh shit. So, um, well, I, Let's dip back to the season just for a sec. So, you know, Notre Dame's last won their last game of the season that they played <laughs> <laughs> in the ACC tournament. So, I, I you know that's kind of good news. Did you have any hope at all that uh, for a run in that tournament? Because I, I guess going into it, I didn't so much, and then just kind of leading in, like getting that win. It's like you know what? Screw this. The ACC's down. They could totally, they could totally do this. Uh, you know, they've played with everybody. It just takes a little bit of a run. Uh, did you have that same feel at all? Or are you just like, okay, at any point now, this is just going to be over with. I was pretty torn. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to Mike Bray and his basketball program. So even in the worst seasons, whenever the conference tournament rolls around, I always think, Hey, maybe they'll catch lightning in a bottle and do this thing, especially now that he's, he's shown he can win a conference tournament, although that took his best team ever by far to do it. Um, I, I think the pessimist in me just having seen the season and knowing that that team had not beaten a really a tournament team, unless maybe if UCLA snuck in there, uh, they hadn't been a tournament team all year. So I was, when they won their first game of the AC tournament, I was just like, okay, that's more of the same for this year, which was getting back to that bare minimum of beating the bad teams in the ACC, but not beating the good teams. So I was, right. I was pessimistic, but I mean, Hey, you had the senior leadership. You had guys like Fluger who have, who have been there on these winning teams and you had talented young guys who could maybe catch fire and, it was possible, um, especially because, like you said, the ACC was pretty down last year. But I was not 
I, the, I think it was pretty unlikely that they would be able to make that kind of run and get that many wins in that many days. Right. Now, you know, like you said, Notre Dame had, you know, they, they had a pretty solid, they had some solid leadership there. Uh, Fluger, Mooney, Gibbs, uh, and Mooney in particular, I want to talk about him for, for just a minute. First of all, tell, tell the John Mutton story. Uh, so <laughs> you, you, you put, you put, you put an article out there and, and it's funny because it, I guarantee you if I put something out in the world about John Mutton right now on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, I'll have people coming at me like it's Mooney, bro. What? Like who? I'll be like Mutton who? And, uh, and you know, that's why that article was, was so important. I could, I could point people in that direction, but let's just, let, it's, it became such a part of, of uh, Notre Dame basketball for us, uh, you know, on, on one foot down for all of our readers, just, just give the, give the quick tale there of a uh, John Mutton. Absolutely. So, so I'm a, I'm a big nickname guy. If people don't know that about me yet. Um, and basically what happened was, I think I was, this is a couple years ago. I was, I think live tweeting in a basketball game or something. And there was some follower of one foot down that was at the game. I believe it was at Clemson. And they tweeted at us, like responded to one of my tweets and just said something like the PA announcer just said the foul was on John Mutton or something like that, which (laughs) I think it's hilarious because like that (laughs) it's not even close to Mooney. Like, I mean, it starts with an M, (laughs) but like that's kind of where the similarity ends. Mutton and Mooney are not similar. So I thought it was so funny. And I was like, I responded, I think was just like, I'm officially calling him John Mutton for the rest of his career. And me being the stubborn idiot I am, I was like, I'm actually going to stick to this. So everything I wrote about him, I tried to say John Mutton. Um, like I, I think the only time I ever called him John Mooney was just to make sure we got like him tagged for SEO reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I just, I just love stupid nicknames like that so much. I mean, when, when Martin Gebbin played, he, uh, he had tweeted something about, or he tweeted a picture of him, like holding a bird at a zoo or something and said, he's the bird whisperer. So I called him the bird whisperer for the rest of his career. thought that was a fun one. Um, white Steve, white Steve, of course. I mean, anytime Tory Hunter jr. Tweets out something about like about, about white Steve hitting a big shot against Duke. I have to run with that one. Um, <laughs> I think, I think Bonzi Colson, I just at one point just called him Bonzi motherfucking Colston. Cause he's Bonzi. Um, so, so I, I really enjoy doing that. And I mean, that's, that's kind of how John Mutton came to be. It was just me force feeding it to everyone. And eventually we had, it was not a huge group of people that understood and, and liked it, but there were like a few Twitter followers that every time would like reply with this ridiculous, sheep flying gif and i thought that was really funny um or like uh gifts gifts from like uh what was that is it lamb chop or something like some there was some like tv oh, kids yeah, TV yeah. show with yeah, sheep yeah so, so i just got some of those too and it was funny because every time i'd tweet this or almost every time at least i'd also for every one person that understood what i was doing and thought it was funny there were like seven that would be like uh, you mean John Mooney or just like, who's John Mutton question mark, question mark, question mark. And then I just be like, John Mutton, he's the starting forward. He, you know, he averages a double, double. Um, so, so that was, <laughs> and I got to admit because these last couple of seasons have been horrible. That's, that's kind of gotten me through all this is being able to lean on the John Mutton joke and enjoy all the John Mutton moments. Cause I mean, for a lot of this, he was on the only bright spot. <laughs> so right, hat, right. hats off, hats off to him for, I feel really bad for, for John Mutton for not really getting to have, I mean, three of his four seasons, we didn't even make the tournament. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm sad he didn't get his moment in the sun and the, in the, in the big dance, but he at least gets to walk away with one of the stupidest nicknames anyone's ever assigned to anyone. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, we, you know, we have some power over these nicknames too. I mean, did you, did you see the, uh, the, the tweet the Steelers beat writer put out there about uh, giving Chase Claypool a nickname, and uh, and he had Maple Bandit in there, which got voted down by Steelers fans. It's like y'all don't need to vote on this shit. His name is <laughs> Maple Bandit. Yeah, I like, told writer. I was like, dude, if you do anything other than Maple Bandit, you're a, you're just you know abandoning all principles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maple Bandit is his fucking name, not Canada Chris or anything like that. It's fucking Maple <laughs> Bandit. So, uh, so yeah, so these nicknames are important. Uh, and some, you know, something else important about John Mooney is, I mean, 
how fucking overlooked can one guy get by the national media? And at the same time, like given like uber respect anytime, every time they're on TV, they Moody is the man, right? And they talk about how great he is and they start listing off all the double doubles and leading the country. And yet when you look at the, you know, you know, best player of the country, you know, awards, all that shit. Moody's like nowhere in the fucking stratosphere. Like, oh yeah. Guy in the ACC putting in the work, leading the country in double doubles guys, just nothing but a double, double machine. And yet you're keeping him off a list. Cause you don't like the way he shoots a three with his hitch. <laughs> I, I, I don't get, I, I could not understand how, if John Mooney was at North Carolina, he probably would have won the goddamn award. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. It's really weird. Like, there was, I think, the power forward, like best power forward in the country. I think it's the Carl Malone Award. Don't quote me on that because I'm not positive, but I don't think he made the top like 10 finalists or 20 finalists or something, despite, like you said, averaging a double double, you know, leading the country and rebounding, being the only guy in ACC history since like Tim Duncan to do a bunch of the double double stuff he did. It's crazy that like he didn't get included in that conversation, but then. You'd watch games, like you said, and all they talk about is John Mutton. And they even there was one game, I think it, this was two years ago, where they had a Mooney cam at one point. And this was the stupidest thing I've ever seen because they were just showing him like standing on defense. He wasn't doing anything exciting. But like you're going to give him that <laughs> level of like this is the guy for this team, but you're not going to acknowledge right. the fact that he's like one of the best forwards in the country. It, it's yeah, that, that was wild to me. Yeah, it's just another, it's another, you know, scar on the face of college basketball for me because it's, it's still geared towards, you know, like the one and done rule bullshit and all that. Everything's geared towards, is this guy going to be an NBA star? And it's like, you know what? That's not college basketball. It, I, they, they just need to let, if a kid wants to go to the NBA out of high school, just fucking let him go. And I think it's funny now that these guys are heading into that, uh, uh, to that new league, the, the that developmental thing that the NBA has going on. Cause good, get them the hell out. Quit, you know, quit the, all the fake. I mean, get, cause it's ridiculous, right? For these guys to come in, they just have to keep, you know, one semester of grades basically. <laughs> I oh, mean, it's, yeah. it's a, it's such a farce. I mean, it's like, wh- what are we even doing here? Uh, but uh, it, it, you know, part of that has, we look at these awards and, and how they list it off that's how they're looking at it too. Like, yeah, John Mooney isn't going to get drafted in the first round of the NBA draft, but yet how the hell do you hold it against him when he's out there in a major basketball conference and out there being the best player on the floor? Yeah, it's, it, it makes no sense. And I think, like you said, they're all very focused on who's the next big thing for the NBA. And I get that to a point. And yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for more of these is one and done guys to go to the G league. I mean, college is not for everybody. And for these guys that can make that leap and start making money immediately, like they should be able to go do that. And college basketball can be left to the next tier of guys, which are still great basketball players. And plenty of them will develop into pros once they get there. Um, So yeah, it makes makes college basketball more fun. I mean, I, I mean, I'm fucking 42 years old or, or going to be 42 this year, but I can remember back, it, it, I guess this goes back to when I was more of an NBA fan too, was, you know, you had guys in college who were there for at least three, if not four years, you had guys making names for themselves within the scope, uh, you know, of the sport of college basketball, then getting drafted, going in the NBA and the, the NBA more, made more sense to me. I don't, maybe the, maybe that when it went to international, it kind of, maybe that made it even more confusing, <laughs> But, you know, the NBA made more sense. These were guys I knew from watching college basketball, you know, from, you know, Big Ten, ACC, Big East and all over. It just everything made more sense. Now it's just such a clusterfuck of who is this guy again? Like, yeah, I remember he played a pretty hot year, you know, one year for Duke. But I which is why, you know, the NBA seems so off. But, you know, it's just I don't know. It, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I can't fucking stand it. And it. <laughs> And it doesn't make any sense. It's not football where there's a, I don't know. I, that, that league that the NBA is doing, I, I saw some writers say how it's going to like kill basketball or college basketball. I think it's absolutely going to revive no. it. Yeah. I mean, 
that that's I don't understand that that take because you had you know however many years ago anyone can jump from high school to the NBA and the best players were doing that so so college basketball didn't die then how is this any different than what it was then like to me to your point it takes away the you know one year mercenary thing with with Duke and Kentucky and a couple other schools that get a bunch of five stars every year and then they leave and it, it kind of lends itself to a little more program building and and truer team basketball, which I mean, I think that's much more fun to watch personally. And that's kind of what Notre Dame's built on. So I'm pretty biased, but um, yeah, like, I don't, I, I'm cool with it. Although, I mean, it also keeps, keeps the, you know, the cameras away from, you know, having a single camera on fucking Greg Anthony for an entire game. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I don't think I've ever been more mad at one broadcast in my life than that season opener against North Carolina when Greg Anthony got, I, he, dude, he was just it was split screen, like let's just let's just put him up there. Let's here's the game. I'm like, I, I I've never I don't think I've ever been that angry watching a basketball game in my life. It, I mean, granted, you know we lost and all that, and none of that even bothered me near as much as why do I have to look at a parent in the stands for more than half the game. It just, all this is spinning out of control. All this is crazy. Make nothing makes sense. I'm getting fucking too old. Get off my grass. I just, <laughs> just, it just flipped me the hell out. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to look towards the future here a little bit and, uh, and see what, uh, what the crystal ball uh, might have in store for Notre Dame. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No All right. We are back. And once again, we are with Pat Sullivan, Mr. Pat Rick, uh, our main basketball writer over at One Foot Down. Uh, Pat, we kind of went just a little bit over, we, we glossed over last season. Uh, but, you know, it's all, always look ahead. Always look to the future. There's always next year, and especially with the way the season ended for, for everybody around the country, uh, where Virginia gets to still fucking gloat around, acting like they're uh, reigning national champions. Um, but let's talk about next season. What uh, what should we be looking for? What should we be paying attention to? Because, you know, there's some new blood coming in. Um, uh, there, there's a – was it Cormac Ryan? Uh, he's got his year of eligibility. Or he's yep. eligible this year, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Trey Wurtz won't be, but uh, uh, get and you gotta love a, a last name, first name, first name, last name guy uh, in Cormac Ryan, anyways. But um, <laughs> you know, losing losing a lot there with Gibbs, Mooney, and and uh, and Fluger. What's what does Notre Dame got moving forward? Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be an interesting season because I mean I think the biggest question on everyone's mind is how do you replace John Mooney? Um, you know, he personally, I I think his offense is extremely replaceable. I honestly don't enjoy watching him play offense. He's, you know, he's fairly versatile in that he, he would score on second chance shots. He'd hit a a three or two, although his three point shooting definitely went down over the years as he was asked to do more inside. But I think the big thing here is how does Notre Dame replace his rebounding when he was all of the rebounding to begin with. And that's going to be a tough question because I think the team next year has got a lot of talent actually, and a lot of now upperclassmen talent that's kind of ready to take that next step. But who's going to be the guy who's mixing it up down low and making sure other teams, big men don't absolutely destroy 
Notre Dame. And and so I think the big question is, can Nate Lashevsky and, and Jawan Durham and maybe these, these freshman guys like, like uh, Elijah Taylor, can they come in and actually do enough on the boards? I, I mean, they're going to need like Cormac Ryan and Dane Goodwin to chip in too, and Robbie Carmody, if he can stay healthy, um, they're, they're going to need them to kind of play a, a Pat Connaughton small forward who rebounds very well role. Um, but I think that's the biggest question is otherwise I think they have a ton of good guard perimeter talent. I mean, you, you look at Prentice hub and the leap he made last year. Um, you know, he scored four more points than he did in his freshman season. He was fantastic in terms of his improvement in shooting. He shot 26% from three as a freshman, 34% last year. Um, and, and he can get a little crazy with the ball, but he's still basically at a two to one assist to turnover ratio. So he kind of showed he can step up in the big games, you know, against teams like Florida state, he kind of took over, which was good to see. Cause I think that's something the team has been missing over the past couple of years is a guy who can be a shot creator and scorer in the big moments. TJ Gibbs never really could end up doing that. John Mooney really couldn't create his own shot very well. Um, there were numerous times at the ends of games last year where uh, John Mutton got the last shot and it did not go super well except in the cases where a second chance came up and they were able to dish it out to Nate Lashevsky for a three pointer at the buzzer. But uh, right. yeah, so, so I'm pretty excited about hub kind of being the guy. I think Bray's offenses are, are best when he has a very talented point guard that can create their, his own shot has some length can pass the ball. That's really what hub brings to the table. So pretty excited for him to kind of take over, um, you know, Dane Goodwin again, made a pretty nice jump from his freshman to his sophomore season. So I think his big thing is learning how to perform on the road because his splits home and away were wild. Like he was very good at home, but very, very bad on the road. So if he can kind of step up his, his scoring a little bit on in, in away games, that'll be really key. And then I think Cormac Ryan's kind of the X factor. So he's got to have to step in with Gibbs leaving with Mooney leaving, um, and even Fluger, like he's got to fill some of what each of them does. He's got to kind of help fill in Gibbs's shooting from the outside. He's got to fill in some of Rex's intangibles in terms of the, his length and his defense and the little things that he would do. And then just help shoulder some of the load in terms of scoring and rebounding that, that John Mooney left behind. So I think, I think Ryan's kind of the, the question mark cause we haven't seen him play yet, but I think he's also, very talented. And so I'm pretty excited to see what he can do in this offense. Um, and like I said, with, with Mooney leaving, you know, Leshevsky and, and Durham are, are interesting because they're both very tall, you know, really good size, but they're very skinny guys, not super powerful. Right. So it's a matter of, can they, you know, handle the biggest bigs in the ACC without getting, you know, knocked around too much. So it'll be interesting to see. We're still waiting for Nate Leshevsky also to really start hitting three pointers consistently. He's, supposedly the best shooter on the team. And I do believe that, but he actually uh, regressed in his three point shooting between freshman and sophomore year. So hopefully he can kind of put it together because they need him to be the recruit that they beat out like North Carolina and Arizona for back when he was a hot shot recruit. Um, and they need Durham to just try to stay on the floor a little more, keep blocking shots, do some rebounding, do a little scoring when he can. Um, so, so overall I'm excited about this team. It'll be really, really helpful if freshmen like Elijah Taylor and um, I was just going to ask you that of of the th- of the three freshmen coming in, Elijah Taylor, Tony Sanders, uh, and you know if you, if you guys haven't been paying attention, Sanders just committed like what maybe a month ago, if that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Matt Zona, you know, all three of these guys are 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 tall. You know, they they got. I mean, they, these are lengthy um, lengthy guys, uh, two forwards and a center. Um, you know, as far as coming out of high school, uh, their position wise, uh, do you see any of these three guys, uh, able to, to step into a role next year? I do. I think probably two out of the three will have to just by necessity. Um, other, I mean, there's just not a lot of right. quality depth on this team. I mean, you look at like Nick Jogo is Nick Jogo. We know what we have with him at this point. It's not going to be a ton that he can give on the court. Robbie or Carmody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love Jogo for what he is. I think he seems like a good locker room guy and a, a good 
reserve player, but I don't I don't think he's someone you want to ever rely on in a rotation. Um, Unless you're on the road against Boston College, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe like one one game a year. He he is that guy who just one game a year decides he's going to score 25 and do it. But um, no, I mean especially considering you know losing John Mutton with Leshevsky and, and Durham being the tall twigs that they are. I think Elijah Taylor especially seems the most ready to contribute right away. I think Matt Zona is a little bit bigger, but he will probably need a little more time to get going. Um, he'll probably be on the five-year plan, at least hopefully, barring no emergencies. Um, but I, I think Taylor will – he seems like a pretty aggressive guy. He's willing to mix it up, be tough. Um, seems like a pretty good rebounder, pretty athletic. So, so I'm hoping that off the bench he can give some really good minutes and help give some support down low. And then I, I really like Sanders. I, that kind of came out of nowhere and that I hadn't yeah. heard, hadn't heard anything about him in Notre Dame. And then all of a sudden it was, Hey, they got a commitment from this guy. And, you know, he's, he's basically a top 200 recruit and he seems like he's a good size, good length. He can score. He's really, athletic. I mean, he's very athletic. He moves very well on the court. Uh, I was, he was, he's the according to two, four, seven. He's the 218th, prospect in the country but just watching him on the floor watching his film he moves so well like it, it, you know a lot of high schoolers even some of the top prospects you know some of those guys can look a little awkward and you know in some spaces and you know at that length at six seven and and 190 and it, everything about him was just look smooth uh so i'm so i'm sure he's gonna look awkward as fuck as a freshman just to <laughs> just, you know just to prove me wrong a little bit there but I was really impressed, and yeah, you're right. That was a that was a big shock. Uh, felt like I said, like you said, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. When I was watching his highlights, the first word that popped up to me was definitely smooth. Like it, it was kind of wild. I was like, how did this very fluid, athletic guy somehow just like commit to a Notre Dame program that doesn't probably get that many guys like this? I mean, especially. he looks like a guy from that. He looks like he should be going to Florida state. You oh know, yeah. Like some like, of the guy like, and he's from Miami. So it's just like, like did somehow we just got a gift here. Cause this looks like a kid that, that Florida state has been getting lately and, and just, you know, watching those guys on the court like, that's exactly what he matches up to be. Yeah. That's actually, it's a really good point. I, I would say this is the kind of guy Florida state's basically built their program on. I mean, Florida state at this point is getting some mixing in some four and five star guys like that can come in and, and be stars, but they're, Leonard Hamilton's program is built on these long athletic guys who can handle the ball a little bit, play great defense, mix it up. I think Sanders is going to bring a lot of energy. If he can give 10, 15 minutes on the wing, just being a very energetic, aggressive player, I think that'll go a long way just because this team, I don't think they're as unathletic as a lot of people on the internet are saying. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, this is such an unathletic Notre Dame team. I think there's some good athletes out there, but I think Sanders is another level of athlete and he'll be able to bring that. And it'll be very useful to this team, especially in small spurts throughout a game. And one of the guys that you brought up that, that Notre Dame really, I mean, they really need to step up uh, because Mooney, Mooney's departure, Juwan Durham. I I mean, what, what, what should we make of Durham? I mean, it, it never made much sense to me last year, how they used, how they used him. Like it really seemed like when Durham was in, he got a lot of really good production. Whether it's blocking shots, I mean, I don't really look at it as a, as a score, but he'd have games where where his minutes would be like like sixteen minutes in a game, and and he'd have eight nine points. You know, it, I mean, which isn't a, a ton, right? But you got to figure for the time that he's in there, the amount of work he's putting in is, I mean. It, what the hell's going on? I mean, why, why, why don't you feel that he was a more of an option last year? And, and do you really think that he can be the guy? Now, I, I mean, I really feel Durham has to be like one of the guys next year, like Hub and Durham, uh, for Notre Dame to to do much. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm not convinced he's ever going to be one of the guys. Like, like. For, for, he was just so streaky. I, I agree. I think he's a great player. And when he was on the floor, brought his a game, he was incredibly efficient. He was scoring, he was blocking shots. I think what happened occasionally was he would have 
big lapses on defense where his guy was just abusing him for easy buckets. He wasn't always blocking out. And I think Bray Bray is so high on guys that he knows he can rely on to be consistent, to be upperclassmen leaders that, that have been there before, et cetera, to, you know, make the right decisions. I think he just didn't trust Durham enough to leave him out there in some of those games. And, and that's can be a fault of Bray's because they're, were probably times where if he had put Durham back in, it, it might have made more sense and it might have benefited the team than keeping him off off the floor. But I think that's kind of what Durham needs to show because he he's shown he can improve basically every time he gets out there. Like there are things he does on offense that I didn't think he'd be able to do the first time I saw him play in a Notre Dame uniform because he was pretty raw. But he keeps getting better. He just needs to be more reliable and and also stay out of foul trouble. Like he, he needs to play more minutes and be out there because they need his athleticism. They need his length. They need him to protect the rim. And I think he can do that. I, I do think he can be even better this coming year. I just, I think he needs to really work on his consistency because I think that's the big thing that kept him off the floor during close games. I mean, if, if Robbie Carmody stays healthy <laughs> uh, last year, does, does it make a big, I mean, it just, I mean, Carmody, of, of all the freshmen that came in that year, uh, including Hub, Carmody was the one that was getting, like, the initial, as a freshman, like, this guy, this kid's going to play and play a lot, uh, and then injured, and then, the, you know, then what happened this year, you know, that's, that's a lot for a kid to, to take, you know, getting injured like that, losing two seasons. So, I guess, you know, how much is left in Carmody's tank, <laughs> body-wise, and do you think that he could really be a big difference maker for this team, given the fact that he should have been basically a, a de facto kind of starter uh, for Notre Dame the last two seasons? Yeah. I mean, I don't know going, going through the injuries he's gone through. It's, it's hard to imagine getting through that mentally. I mean, tearing your ACL just once, let alone the other injuries he's had. Go ahead. The second going, one was, was heartbreaking because he, uh, he knew it. And oh yeah, he, he knew right was away. right on him, and 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 he it just it reminded me a lot of like when Drew Tranquil went down against Georgia Tech. Yep. You know it, it, that instantly reminded me of that, and it was like you got to be kidding me, and you you could just feel the frustration, uh, you know, come off him like this can't be happening again. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's probably that's got to hurt his confidence a little bit, and it seemed like so much of his game was was really based on his ability to go out there, be really aggressive, you know, tons of energy, go, you know, drive the ball to the hoop with reckless abandon. And hopefully, you know, with these injuries, he's able to develop other parts of his game because he can't keep doing that because he's going to keep getting hurt. Um, But yeah, I got to think he'll be a slightly different player just because he knows if I do what I did before, I could easily end up hurt again. I don't want that to happen. So, so I, I think he'll be, I think he's a good athlete. I think he's, I like his aggression. You know, the Irish need some guys that are a little more headstrong and willing to dive into it and attack the other team. I'm just, I I don't think we should expect him to be a difference maker this coming season, just because of the injuries he's coming off of. I think he'll be a solid bench player. He'll give some good minutes, make some plays, you know, at least kind of mix it up in there. But I think we probably shouldn't expect to see him be, you know, a, a very solid contributor day to day until his senior season. And hopefully at that point he can kind of turn it around and have a good year. And then his fifth year maybe can be his shining moment. Now, a lot of almost all of Bray's teams at Notre Dame, you know, we, we could uh, I don't want to say they're carbon copies of each other, but, you know, it's it, Everyone expects Notre Dame to be able to shoot the three, and and I guess you know for for last year they they did improve. The year before it just seemed atrocious, uh, but they're they're still streaky as fuck. Uh, <laughs> but they it just felt like Bray stuck to his guns, uh, you know, a lot last season. Um, you know more so than I think a lot of us you know wanted him to. It, for next year, I mean. You, you need you, Notre Dame just needs shooters. They need guys that, that they can rely on. I think Hub has has worked himself into that to that guy. I think he rely on. Is there that number two guy? Like Bray's best teams, they didn't just have one you know guy that could shoot from outside. They had a second guy, and by the way, they had a third guy. Um, you know a lot, of, and you know not just sitting, not 
scoring 15 points a game, but a guy when, when you get passed out there and it's an open shot, it was fairly reliable. You know, how does that shape up next year? Cause I'm, I don't expect much to change in terms of, of, of how a Bray offense works. No. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Bray's offense has always been, you know, predicated on guys driving into the lane and kicking out and finding multiple shooters that can knock down that shot. And to, to me, the, the one guy that's shown for sure, he can be that shooter that will knock down big shots. Dane Goodwin. I mean, you can talk about some of the other guys on this team, but he, he shot 38% from a three last year. He had numerous games where he was basically the comeback. Like I, the IU game, for example, he right. had mul- multiple huge shots from deep. Um, I think he's really going to show us something as a junior after flashing a lot more last year than some people were expecting. Um, so I think he's kind of the guy that, someone like hub can rely on when he gets into the lane to look out. And if he finds him, get the ball to him. Cause he's going to knock down an open three. Um, and then I think Cormac Ryan and Nate Leshevsky can both also be that guy. Neither of them has shown yet in their limited college, uh, you know, experience that they're going to hit three pointers at a high clip. I think Ryan shot low thirties in his freshman year at Stanford and, like I said, Leshevsky shot 34% as a freshman, but then was down at 31% last year. But I think both of them are clearly good shooters and just need to kind of fix some mental things and get used to, you know, working within the flow of Bray's offense. So I think both of those guys will probably see some really good game shooting from them. And maybe it's not as consistent as someone like Goodwin, but like I, I was looking at some of Cormac Ryan's games from his freshman year, and I saw like there was a game against UCLA where he he hit five of eight. I mean, he he can definitely get hot and knock down those those deep balls. And obviously, we know Leshevsky is capable of hitting big shots from deep. He's already shown a little bit of a clutch factor, which I love. So I think those are the two other guys that are going to be the shooters for this team. So hopefully, it's you know Goodwin being the the reliable one, Ryan and Leshevsky getting hot, and then hub doing hub things where he might airball one, three, and then make three in a row the next three possessions. And hopefully that'll be enough shooting to get this team where it needs to go. Okay. Uh, just a couple of uh, final things here to, to close it out. Uh, how does the, I mean, how does the ACC uh, look going into next year? I mean, are we, you know, are we looking at uh, another somewhat down year for the conference or, or do you expect a big bounce back? I think it'll be a little better next year. I was just looking at some of the, the recruiting classes for some of the other teams, the ACC. And I noticed, you know, North Carolina has, this is, I think based on uh 247 rankings. I think they had like four or five star or sorry, <laughs> they have, they have three, five stars and three, four stars coming in. So they have a pretty damn, they're the number two class in the country. And then Duke has of course, four or five stars coming in as well. Virginia, I think has a top 15 class. They've, They've got Sharif Abdurrahim's son, I think, headlining their group. So all three of those teams have plenty of young talent that maybe weren't the one-and-done guys, but they're going to be coming back. And then they've got some big-time freshmen coming in. I think Florida State reloads. They're losing a lot in terms of like veteran talent, but they've got a five-star guy, Scotty Barnes. And they just, like we've talked about, they have Tony Sanders's all over the place that are going to step up and mature in, in Leonard they Hamilton's great, team. They have a great system. They really they do. do. I, I love Leonard Hamilton. I think he's, he seems like a good guy. He seems like a great and coach. They go deep. It's like oh, yeah. Ty Bray. You know, he, <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll use 11 guys in a game, like consistently. Uh, oh, yeah. We're, we're barely using, you know, six or seven. Definitely. Yeah. I, I would say, like, I obviously love Mike Bray. I love his program to death. If I had to pick another ACC program that I'd want to be my program, I think I might actually, I mean, barring eliminating, obviously picking a team because they're going to win championships like a Duke or North Carolina or Virginia or whatever. But I love watching Florida state play and they're a little more exciting than Virginia. Um, and I think they're just a fun system. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) watching paint dry is probably a little more exciting than Virginia, but, um, yeah, so so I think in I'm, I'm sure Louisville has has talent coming back. They're losing Jordan Noir, their best player, but um, they're Louisville, so I'm sure they'll reload. So I would imagine Notre Dame will probably pr- be projected to finish like tenth or something, and 
that would probably make sense just based on the past couple of years and based on what the other teams have coming back. But I think Notre Dame could, could honestly compete for like a top eight finish. Cause I, I think this team honestly could sneak into the tournament and I'm hoping they will. Um, I, I know a lot of people don't think right now that they're going to make the tournament next year. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think everyone thinks they'll be a little better, but I mean, this year, even they, they were, not even a bubble team. Like they needed big wins down the stretch to become right. a bubble team. Didn't even get those. So I think losing, you know, all ACC first team, John Mutton, losing senior Gibbs, who was shooting 40 some percent from three, losing Fluger and the leadership he brought. I think a lot of people think, Hey, this team's going to be probably roughly the same, maybe a little better just as the young guys get older. But I, I think, I think they'll be better than expected. I think they'll actually make the tournament, but they're going to need a couple guys to really, really step up. Oof. Well, it is a, it is still a very long walk <laughs> from here to the, uh, to the start of yeah. the college basketball season. Uh, you know, when, uh, when people were talking, I mean, this was just a couple of weeks ago uh, or maybe three weeks ago when, when still we had no idea about what still might happen with the college football season and all that, you know, there was a lot of talk like, maybe college football season won't start until January 1st or, or something like that. And I was thinking like, are we really going to have basketball, hockey, football, like everything <laughs> going to go on at once? How the hell is that? How the hell is that going to work? I mean, it'd be an amazing time to be alive. I mean, it'd be in a, just a, a strange, uh, strange time, but, um, but yeah, it is still a long ways away from the basketball season. Is there anything that you heard about as far as with this whole, with the whole COVID-19 Deal, you know, obviously Notre Dame just said <clears throat> that they're, you know, they're going to start two weeks early in August, and that you know they're going to end uh, end before Christmas or before Thanksgiving. You know, how much does that affect the basketball program? Have you heard anything about uh, what's going on? So I haven't heard that much. I mean, the first thing that just jumps out to me is with no classes from Thanksgiving through New Year's, I guess. Um, there aren't the limitations on practice time. So that would normally have been there. So I think this basketball team that probably needs plenty of practice time to just kind of gel as a group and, you know, get the new parts integrated into the system, et cetera. I think that that could actually help a little bit in terms of they're going to be there getting more time together as a team. With that said, in terms of when the season starts or how, maybe the shrinks the season, maybe non-conference schedules shrink significantly. Um, maybe they don't play that first ACC game that they've started the year off with the past couple of years that I don't, I don't know how that's going to shake out. I, I would. Yeah. I, I don't even have a guess for how they're going to handle that <laughs> <laughs> to be quite it's, honest. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it, it's hard to imagine anything. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so much thing. There's so much that we don't know. Or you try to think about, okay, what's the next step? Well, hell, you, you, we still need like 15 more pieces inver- of information before we can even talk about anything near the next step. So, yeah, it's, and, uh, it's wild. And it's just like, I mean, you can see football happening or like professional baseball happening because they're outside for the most part. Or, I mean, almost all stadiums are ballparks, but like basketball is inside. So, I don't know how that also affects things in terms of would they play and just, they won't have fans or they would have much fewer fans or they can't even play. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with in terms of how to safely play college basketball and not put these kids in too much risk. Right. And the whole thought about starting school early and and get the semester done before Thanksgiving was right. Was to, what was you're about to hit, you know, flu season and all that. Well, basketball season is flu season. (laughs) I mean, that's, that, yeah. that's the major time. So, uh, yes, you, you would improve your chances with your student body and, and the, and your f- football programs that way, but then you still got to look towards, all right, what's going to happen with basketball. And it, it just, to me, it just feels like it's hanging in the wind a little bit, which is, uh, I don't want to say dangerous, but I mean, it, it's just kind of strange, especially, you know, no March madness. I mean, it's just such a, an insane thing that we just went on, went on a couple months ago. Um, and did not really have much of a plan that that I have heard of, uh, you know, for the season at all. Uh, it just it seems kind of strange to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm terribly afraid of two straight years without March Madness. And I'm hoping that doesn't <laughs> come to that because that's a long way off. And hopefully by then things have been figured out a little bit. But yeah, the fact that they just haven't, because we've heard so much talk about talk about what they're going to do with football when you know basketball season only starts a couple months after football does. You would think we'd be hearing more about what they plan on doing there too, and we haven't yet. So that's that's a little scary. But I mean, I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure they'll probably right. take take some lessons learned from football and how they're going to do it and what they see when that happens. Um, but it's yeah, it is weird that we haven't heard that much about it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think I'd miss March Madness as much as I did, and I really did. Like I, that that hit hard. I mean, I was like, ah, you know, second year Notre Dame wasn't going to be in it. Eh, whatever, but. You know, when it was gone, it's gone. <laughs> I mean, uh, br- break out the old uh, 1980 Cinderella song. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> and I did. Uh, my son looked at me very strangely. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, just pray. Uh, a lot of you Catholics out there listening to this, go, go light a candle six feet away from somebody else's candle. Uh, and let's, let's all hope this works out. So, Pat, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we finish this, I actually had one other thing I wanted to quickly mention. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we haven't talked much about Trey Wirtz yet, the, the transfer that Notre Dame is getting from, from Santa Clara. And, I mean, we can talk about that another time. I think he's going to be a really good combo guard in the program. But my – most important thing I want to talk about here is a nickname for him. Cause again, I'm all about nicknames here. Oh, let's, yeah, let's, let's roll it out. This one is the stupidest one yet. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I just want to preface it with that. Uh, but anyways, Mike Bray, when he did that like zoom Q and a with the media a month and a half ago, it was right afterwards committed or I guess after he signed, um, there was a quote from Mike Bray that said, I'm very excited about Trey Wirtz. He is a basketball player, period. And so I am officially naming Trey Wirtz as basketball player. He is Trey Basketball Player Wirtz, and that is his nickname from now on. It's the <laughs> stupidest, most generic thing you'll ever see, but we're going to make this stick. He is now basketball player. I got I to gotta tell you, it makes a lot of sense to me. Living here in Ohio, uh, years ago, like a uh, late 90s, uh, there was a there was a Ohio State Buckeye uh, football player named Steve Belisari. He's quarterback, safety. He wasn't really good at, at any of them. I mean, he, he was he was an okay defensive player. wasn't a good quarterback, but you couldn't talk shit about him to any. The Buckeye fans would beat you up uh, because they just said <laughs> Steve Belisari's a football player, and that was it. <laughs> He's a football player, and I, I I gained a ton of respect for Belisari. I mean, he was Ohio. Uh, high school kid, you know, so his, his name had been around the the block. So no, that that name is not stupid. That's a, that's a legit thing to put out there. When you say someone like, I think that's a great thing to say about someone. Like, look, this guy is a basketball player. This guy is a football player. This guy can fucking cornhole. Uh, it's just <laughs> he's a cornhole player. Uh, no, I, I'll buy into that. I'll, I'll dive full uh, full in on that one. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm going to need all the support I can get because it's, it's so generic. I, just, I thought it was so funny. It just reminds me of any time like a, a broadcaster is talking about someone and they're just like, you know what? He just knows how to play basketball. I'm like, yeah, everyone out there knows how to play basketball. That's why they're playing the sport. But yeah, Trey Wirtz, <laughs> I'm really sorry. Uh, at least your nickname doesn't involve sheep. Um, but you are now. That's kind of disappointing, player. though. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try to come up with some other nicknames for the other guys in the team, but that's the only, only good one I have right now. I don't like, know if you saw it, but uh, there was a tweet a few weeks back about uh, uh, someone put it out there, like, what do you call a, a, a white kid whose dad's the coach or whatever, you know, like that. And <laughs> it, it, there was just like, all of a sudden, there was just this giant list of names, you know, like, like, Jim, you know, Jim rat, just, yeah. <laughs> just, just all these generic names for, for every kid, you know, that's been like a coach's son that, you know, like, like a Tommy Reese, you know, in a way he's a film room junkie, uh, <laughs> you know, shit like that. So, so no, I, I, I'm down, I'm down with this before. So I'll, I'll buy this completely. Cool. So hey, look, you guys go follow Pat on Twitter. It's at P Sully two, two, six. 
uh, read all his good stuff over. He's, he's one of the best writers we got over one foot down. Uh, like you and Boomer right now have, have, have really got, uh, I got an eye on you guys. Uh, <laughs> it's that, it's that Notre Dame education. I don't know. I, I went to the fucking Mac. Uh, I can drink natty ice with the best of them. Uh, <laughs> but, but check out his good stuff over at uh, one foot down. I, I don't know how often you listen to the OFT podcast, but there are times where I'll like, I'll, I know you got a story cooking in the editor and I'll promote it. But it, it's kind of an inside joke with Jude and I like, like, you know, this is probably going to be done for another three or four weeks. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> here, here it comes. You know, I, I think the one about the, um, about Clashmore Mike, I probably promoted like four or five podcasts in a row. I'm like, it's coming. It's coming. Just trust me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll try to do a better job of, of being a little quicker on finishing these. I think part of it's, I'm just, way too lengthy in what I write. And part of it is I procrastinate with the best of them. So I'll try, I'll try to do a better job for the most part. So you don't have to promote things multiple times. Although maybe for some of these, we should build I don't up. Know. I don't know. Maybe it's worth it. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. And I hope uh, for, for those of you that were out there looking to get your basketball uh, uh, podcast fix in, I hope that helped out a lot. Uh, we're all we're all trying to do our best here in this time of corona uh, just to get through this shit and, and get on to some kind of regularity so thanks again for joining us and as always go irish <laughs>